Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this incredible opportunity you've given us to gather in this place. And Lord, already we feel your power and we feel your presence permeating in this room. And so we simply say, Lord, have your way. Say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Father, do a work in us and do a work through us. Transform us, fix us, encourage us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they would be acceptable in your sight because, Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And, Lord, one more thing today. Father, let us leave this place today more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning. And we ask this in the strong, powerful name of our soon-returning King Jesus, and we all said together, Amen. Hey, if you're just glad to be in the house of the Lord, go ahead and put your hands together and give the Lord just a great big hand clap of praise. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here with you today. And I certainly honor the Lord Jesus Christ who the unseen presence in the room. And I am grateful and thankful for your pastor and my friend, Pastor Avery. Why don't you give it up for him and his lovely wife and how God is using them for such a time as this. It's just a joy to be with you today. There are thousands of folk that you could have invited to come and to share and be a part, and I'm just incredibly honored and grateful for the privilege to be with you today. Some of you are wondering if I can preach, and I'm wondering if you can say amen. Amen. Let me invite you to the time that is ours to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I just really want to read uh, verses 10 and 11. The book of 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11. And when you have it in your copy of God's Word, just shout amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse uh, number 10. And as you're turning there, I just want to thank this church for all that you are doing to spread the gospel here at home and around the globe. Thank you so much for how you faithfully uh, give and how you faithfully support the work of the gospel. You have it? Say amen. amen. Hear these words as recorded in scripture. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one another. If you have the gift of speaking, then speak as if though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of serving, then do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ because all the glory and all the power belong to him forever. Amen. I want to tag this message this morning with this thought in mind. I want to preach about living a life that brings glory to God. Living a life that brings glory to God. Brothers and sisters, I'm convinced today that the church is designed to be a place where believers walk together in love and unity. When we walk together in unity, we can accomplish so much more for the glory of God. In fact, Amos reminds us in Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, how can two walk together except they agree? The church exists to be a place that brings glory to God. The early church made a difference because they were a church that were unified around the right priorities. They were efficient and they were effective because they literally kept the main thing the main thing. They were not competitors, but rather they were colleagues working together for one common cause. 
They were not divided over worship styles. They were not divided over preferences. They were not divided over generations. They were not divided over ethnicity, but rather they were committed to living out the great commandment and they were committed to fulfilling the great commission. The testimony of that early church that was unified is these were they that turned the world upside down and right side up. And if you really want to know what they were devoted to, turn to Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. They were always devoted to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. They were devoted to fellowship, and the original word, that fellowship is koinonia. They actually enjoy being together with one another. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to prayer. One of the signs of a vibrant, healthy, unified church is a vibrant, healthy church prioritizes the biblical values. You see, brothers and sisters, we live in a culture that devalues values. We live in a culture where anything goes and everything is acceptable. But you and I are reminded in 1 Peter that we are called to live by godly standards. We are called to live by godly values. In fact, here's what Peter says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And because of that, what should you do? You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. We are called to live by biblical values. We are called to live differently before this world. And I believe today, if we're going to be the church that brings glory to God, that there are several things that we value. For instance, we should value focused worship. We believe that worship is a lifestyle. We worship the Lord privately and publicly. We affirm that the true worshipers, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We value focused worship. We ought to value biblical truth. We believe that in order to live a life that honors God, we need God's Holy Spirit to guide us as we study the Word of God. We believe the Word of God is the inerrant Word of God, which means that God's Word contains no error. It is the infallible Word of God that from Genesis to maps, God's Word contains truth. It is the inspired Word of God that Scripture is God-breathed. And most of all, it is the authoritative Word of God that God's Word is the final authority in every matter. What am I trying to say to you? I'm simply trying to say that when the believer gets in the Word of God and the Word of God gets in the believer, you got a winning combination. Preach, Willie. I'm doing the best I can. We value focused worship. We value biblical truth. We ought to value biblical action. Our God is a sending God. You and I are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ here at home and around the world. Each of us is created in the image of God. Why? In order that we might be on a mission with God. C.T. Studd said it best. C.T. Studd said, the light that shines the farthest is the one that shines the brightest at home. But then we are called to value compassionate service. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest example of what it means to serve with compassion. And every one of us, regardless of our backgrounds, we are called to use our gifts, our talents, and our time and our resources for the advancement of the kingdom. We're reminded in Scripture that we are called to serve with godly compassion. Listen to the narrative in 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If someone has enough money to live well 
and they see a brother or sister in need, but they show no compassion, the Bible says, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. And then Jesus sealed it in John chapter 13. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. This message today teaches us, brothers and sisters, that you and I are never more like Jesus than when we are serving one another. 1 Peter chapter 4 is written by the Apostle Peter. This is the Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible declares that 3,000 people were added to the local assembly. This is also the same Peter that denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. The Apostle Peter writes this message to believers that were enduring great persecution and suffering. He writes this epistle as a word of warning and as a word of encouragement. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 7, Peter says, The end of all things is near. Jesus was coming back, and Peter knew that the next major event on God's calendar was the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter says to the people of God, get ready. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And brothers and sisters, the reality is this, is every day we live, we're getting one day closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verses 7 through 11, we learn the values and the behaviors that are put on display by a great commission church. And when these values are lived out, they result in you and I bringing glory to God. So the question for us this morning is real simple. How do we bring glory to God? How do our lives display and demonstrate what it means to bring glory to God? Well, Peter answers that for us in these verses. Listen to what he says in verse number 7. He says, if your life and my life are going to bring glory to God, the first thing that Peter says is we are called to pray believingly. Peter says, if your life is going to bring glory to God, you're called to pray believingly. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and be sober-minded in order that you may pray. What he says is keep a clear head and do not get drunk on money, possessions, career, or anything else that would keep you from praying. And Peter says, be alert and be sober-minded. Why? In order that you may pray. Peter encourages the believers to engage in prayer. And when we pray believingly, we pray expectantly. Jesus teaches the disciples the importance of prayer on the Mount of Beatitudes, and you see this in your copy of God's Word in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 6. Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, but Jesus says, when you pray, go into your secret closet and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret, he will reward you openly. Jesus reminds us in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And then Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, ask and it shall be given unto you. 
Seek and you will find not, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. Those who seek, they will find. And the one who knocks on the door, the door will be open. He says if we pray believingly, we need to pray expectantly that when we pray, we should expect God to move. But then not only should we pray expectantly, we should pray earnestly. We see this lived out in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. Jesus gets up very early in the morning, goes to a solitary place, and there Jesus prays. Jesus makes sure that the one who is first in his life gets the best parts of his day. In other words, Jesus prioritizes the importance of prayer. And brothers and sisters, I come to tell you today that if prayer is not your foundation, your foundation will fall apart. And if prayer is not your main business, you will soon be out. Out of business. Peter says, pray expectantly, pray earnestly, pray eagerly. We live in a time and a season now where we desperately need prayer. Our world needs prayer. Our, our country needs prayer. Every one of us in this place, we need prayer, and we need to pray eagerly. Never shall forget the story about the fox and the rabbit. The fox ran after the rabbit, but the fox was never able to catch the rabbit. Why? Real simple. The fox was running for food, but the rabbit was running for its life. And brothers and sisters, we must be willing to pray eagerly. If we're going to see a public movement of God, there must be those private moments with God. I come to tell you, if you depend on your organization, you'll get what the organization can give you. If you depend on your money, you'll get what your money can give you. If you depend on education, you'll get what education can give you. But if you depend on prayer, you'll get what God can do. And what we need is what God can do. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I'm simply saying to us that God can do more in a moment that you and I can do in a lifetime. And so Peter says to us, first of all, in verse number seven, we're called to pray believingly. But notice what he says we're to do in verse number eight. He says, after we pray believingly, he says we should love unconditionally. Listen to these words. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. If you've, if you've attended small group or vacation Bible school or some type of online Bible class, you are familiar with this verse. If you are a sinner, then you are familiar with this verse because every time you mess up, you quote the latter part of this verse. You ought to forgive me on my sin because the Bible said love covers a multitude of sin. We, we know that. But notice what Peter says. Peter says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. We are called to love others fervently. The expression above all simply says we should place a priority and a premium on loving. That whatever else we do, that love should be at the very top 
of the list. Peter says, above all, love each other, not with a surface love, but love each other deeply. This is not the first time that Peter uses that phrase. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22, Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And now Peter follows up here in chapter 4 and verse number 8. Peter says, love each other deeply. That phrase deeply is the idea of a strenuous intense love. It really translates like this. Love takes work. Um, If you've been married for two days, then you know that love takes work. If you've got children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, aunts, or uncles, you know that love takes work. Um, if, If you are a part of a family, you know that love takes work. If you are a part of a New Testament Baptist church, then you know that love takes work. And Peter says the proof of that love is the forgiveness. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers our sin. This this phraseology about our sins being covered is not just a concept that we learn in the New Testament, but we see this modeled and mirrored in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 9 gives us a beautiful illustration of our sins being covered. Noah gets drunk, shamefully uncovers himself, so now he is drunk and he is naked. His son Ham finds his father drunk and naked, and he goes, tells the family, and then in loving concern for their father, Ham's other brothers come back and cover their father's nakedness, and their shame. Brothers and sisters, you and I are recipients of being covered. The Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed on Calvary's cross, that blood that was shed was for the remission of our sins. And now that your sins and my sins, when they're brought before the very presence of the Father, the Father has covered those sins, past, present, and the future, to fulfill what the Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sins. The church that loves one another, regardless of your background, we're able to forgive one another more rapidly when issues arrive. I've got a personal experience with this. In May of 2020, my cousin was killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota. George Floyd was my third cousin. And you talk about having to forgive, how do you forgive when an egregious act like that takes place? Well, the Bible gives us not a request, but the Bible gives us a command that the way that our family was able to forgive is because above all, we're called to love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers 
a multitude of sin. Yes, brothers and sisters, we are all naughty by nature. All of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Did you know this morning that sin will take you further than you want it to go? Sin will keep you longer than you want it to stay. Sin will cost you more than you want it to pay. But I'm so grateful that when we were hopeless and helpless, we are reminded that God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. Listen, there's nothing so good that you can do to cause God to love you anymore, and there's nothing so bad that you can do to cause God to love you any less. It is the unconditional love of the Father. Say yes. But Peter also gives us another clue. If your life and my life are going to bring glory to God, listen to what he says in verse number 9. He says, offer hospitality one to another without grumbling. Peter suggests to us the third thing is that we should live hospitably. If you're going to be a praying believer and you're going to love unconditionally, then it should manifest itself in a tangible way. We're called to live hospitably, and essentially, we're called to offer hospitality. Most of us know how to offer hospitality, but Peter gives us a condition. He says, do it without mummering, grumbling, or complaining. He says that we should extend hospitality to everyone. If they're a friend of Jesus, then they ought to be a friend of mine, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their age, regardless of their color, regardless of their social status. We're called to open our arms and receive them. In the community I live, we are a black family in our community. Right behind us is a Canadian family. We have another family in our community from Wisconsin, so we have Aaron Roger Knights in our community. We have a Filipino family in our community, and then we have one more people group in our community. We have a family from Mississippi, so we have Mississippians in our community. All the people groups are in our community, and we are called to open our arms and to live hospitably and be a blessing to them. We, um, we have the community trampoline in our community. And the only reason that our trampoline became the community trampoline is because our trampoline is the only trampoline that still has a net on it. <laughs> our trampoline has a basketball goal, so all the kids in the community can come in and for a few moments feel like LeBron James and feel like Stephen Curry because we're the only trampoline with a net on it. Well, my youngest daughter has the gift of hospitality. And one day, all the kids were coming over, and she's giving all the kids icicle pops. She's giving all the kids Gatorade. And I said, honey, time out. We're, we're already providing trampoline. We're, we're not requiring the kids and the parents to sign release forms. We're, we're providing the trampoline. And uh, I said, they can bring their own Gatorade. They can bring their own icicle pops. And I, 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 I said, they, mama and daddy, got stimulus checks just like we did. They can bring their own stuff. And then Peter reminds me to offer hospitality without grumbling 
and without complaint. Let me give you a quick way that you can be a blessing. I travel all over this country, and I keep six $10 Starbucks gift cards in my backpack. And when I see flight attendants and I see staff people who are servicing places, I just want to be a blessing to them because we're called to offer hospitality. But here's the final thing this morning. If your life and my life are going to bring glory to God, if we're going to live out unity, we're called to serve faithfully. Notice what it says. Each of you has received a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And brothers and sisters, you and I are never more like Jesus than when we are serving one another. We learn in verse number 10 that you are important to God. The Bible says each one has received a gift. Every person that is born again, every person that has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord or Savior. You are valuable in the sight of God, so valuable that God gives you a gift. I need you to hear me. You are valuable in the sight of God. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, that he who began a good work in you, he will complete that work until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you allow other people to define who you are, then you are no more more than they say that you are, but if you allow yourself to be defined by God, then you're who God says that you are. You are a child of the King. You are born again. You are a friend of God. And because you are important to God, God invests his gift in you. Each one has received a gift. I believe that you receive at least three gifts when you are born again. I believe that he gives you the gift of salvation. When you come down the aisle, give your hand to the preacher and your heart to the Lord. You are redeemed from the curse of sin, death, hell, and the grave. And the Lord Jesus Christ died in order that you and I might live. He gives you the gift of salvation. Gift number two, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, that when you are born again, you do not have to tarry at the altar. You do not have to roll around on the floor. You do not have to sow a particular love offering, but you immediately are indwelled. Preach, man, I'm doing the best I can. You are immediately indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit in your body. And then he gives you a spiritual gift. The spiritual gifts are given in order that you can engage and be a part of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of you in this place. The best way that you can live out unity amongst diversity is that you use the very gift that God has given you for the glory of God. And he says to us as I go to my seat, he says, if anyone speaks, you should speak as if though you're speaking the very words of God. Did you hear that? You should speak as if though you're speaking the very words of God. You've heard that lie Sticks and stones may break my bone, but word, listen, I know people right now, they are mad from 20 years ago because of what somebody, and they won't let that stuff go. Oh, brothers and sisters, when we speak, when we tweet, when we post, when we Instagram, when we Snapchat, and we TikTok, everything we do ought to be as if though it's the very words of God. And then it says, if anyone serves, 
answers with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies. Why? Because finally, brothers and sisters, God is interested in his glory. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ because all the power belongs to him. That's why the apostle Paul says in Colossians 3 and 23, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not as unto man. Why? Because God wants to ultimately get the glory because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. I close with this. I've got a friend of mine. Uh, he's a pastor, and um, he uh, pastored a church up north, and he was visiting one of his church members in the cardiac unit, and he's a single man, which means he's not married, right? I just want to make sure I get that clear. He, he's a single man, and he walks into the hospital, and he sees a beautiful, beautiful lady in a long white coat, and he notices that she did not have a wedding band, so here's a single woman. This single man and this single woman, they get inside the elevator, and so he begins to have a conversation with her, and he says to her, ma'am, tell me, what do you do and who do you work for? She says, well, sir, I'm a medical doctor, but I'm not a regular medical doctor. I'm a cardiologist. But I'm not a regular cardiologist. I'm the one that the other cardiologists call on when they don't know what to do and when they can't figure it out. Then she says to him, she says, sir, tell me, what do you do and who do you work for? He says, well, ma'am, I'm a pastor. And I'm the one they call on when you don't know what to do and when you can't figure it out. Listen, listen, I come to tell you today that there is a name that we can call on that when the world does not know what to do and when the world cannot figure it out and what's his name? Jesus. There is no problem that Jesus cannot solve. There is no sickness uh, that Jesus cannot heal. There is no door that Jesus cannot comfort. There is no sin that Jesus cannot forgive. Say yes. Say yes. Living a life that brings glory to God. Everybody standing, everybody on your feet all across the sanctuary. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect, and hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.